Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Lyle. Kind of all by myself here this morning, which is going to make for an interesting show. There may have been a mix-up in communication that we have not yet got to the bottom of, but we're hoping that Darren will be coming in a little bit later to join us and to guide us through the show. But seeing as I'm here by myself, that means I get to dominate the airways and you get to hear from me and nobody else. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. It could be fun, but it might not be. Anyway, we'll see how we go. Here we go into uh, what we're thankful for this morning. I just want to give a report from Prophetica, which took place in Armadale this weekend, which is just an outstanding program. And there are a number of Propheticas. Uh, just, just just Google Prophetica and you can go to their website. You can find out where all the different Propheticas are happening around Australia, which is, uh, yeah, it's a radically new, different way of being able to, you know, of, of going into a community and sharing uh, the prophecies of the Bible. And so, of course, I was there in Armidale this weekend along with Jeff Yulden, Matt Parra, and uh, David Cherry, um, all presenting up there on various subjects. And it was it was... It was amazing. It really was amazing to be able to uh, just, you know, see all kinds of people from the community. And big shout out to all of our listeners in Armadale this morning, uh, turning up and being able to present there. And what a great town Armadale is. Uh, really enjoyed my time there. I tell you what, when you get up in the morning and walk outside, yeah, you know you're in the mountains. It was about ten degrees cooler than what it was down here on the coast. But um, yeah, we did some we did some subjects. Uh, we spoke about the second coming. We spoke about prophecy. We spoke about whether you know we we looked at some of the big questions of whether it's actually reasonable in today's day and age in twenty twenty to trust the Bible. And we asked the hard questions. Of course, um, the uh, the room was open for questions, so people could send in whatever questions they wanted to send in. And so that was fantastic as well. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. We're going to move on with the show. This is Johnny Cash with When the Man Comes Around. And I heard, as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying come and see and I saw and behold a white horse there's a man going round taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground? 
the man comes around Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns When the man comes around Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks In measured a hundredweight and penny pound When the man comes around You're listening to Johnny Cash with A Man Comes Around, a song that really references the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so this morning for our breakfast show quiz, I thought as a prize we might give away a Pale Horse Rides by Sean Boonstra. So many people know the story of how Christianity unfolded in Europe and over the course of many centuries, many people even know the story of Martin Luther launching a reform in the beginning of the 16th century. 
In a pale horse rides, you'll meet people from the fringes of the empire, the barbarians who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go by but the words of the Bible. This is a fascinating book, a fascinating read. It comes from a series that uh, Sean Bernstra put together, and I would highly recommend it to every, anyone. So if you can answer the quiz this morning, you will get your copy of A Pale Horse Rides. Find out about these unknown barbarians and the faith that they formed by reading the Bible. Okay, so here comes our first clue for our quiz. And there are two different names for this individual, depending on which, interestingly enough, which translation of the Bible you read. And so I will accept either of these names. <clears throat> It says, for 180 days, so who am I? For 180 days, I displayed the vast wealth of my kingdom and the splendor and glory of my majesty. Who might this be? If you know the answer, the number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669 and you'll get your free copy of A Pale Horse Rides. Now, of course, normally at this time of the morning, we launch into Positively Different News, but seeing as our Positively Different News person is not here this morning, uh, we are going to launch into Positively Interesting News Um which I will be presenting, and we've got a couple of different stories that we're going to talk about. The first is um, the Australian uh, Catholic Conference, um, National Council of Priests, is worried that their proposal to ordain married priests um, is going to be knocked down by the Vatican due to a stacked deck of uh, bishops who are opposed to genuine reform. <clears throat> and so... Um, Australia recently backed a proposal to allow married men to be ordained, and as a result of that, uh, or because of a result of very similar circumstances in Australia um, as what there are in the Amazon. Now, when they said similar to Australia or the Amazon, they I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but they have the same problems. So in the Amazon, the problem is that there are not many priests and vast areas of country to cover, and so a person often can go for up to two years without actually being able to uh, see a priest. Here in Australia, they've got the same problem but not on the same scale, and the, and the problem is that young men are not choosing to become priests as a vocation, one of the big reasons being, naturally enough, and I kind of, well, I very much agree with them, um, they are opposed to the vow of celibacy. That's a, that's, a, that's a big deal. Not ever being able to be allowed to marry or to have children. And, you know, in, clearly this is something that is going to cripple the, and, and has for centuries crippled the priesthood in the Roman Catholic Church, because, particularly because these are men who are called on many times to deal with family matters. Not only that, but it has given the rise to, as, as the uh, Royal Commission here in Australia pointed out, is one of the biggest reasons for the growth of uh, child sex abuse within this particular institution. And so Australia's called on the on the bishops to uh, to put this forward, but they're kind of thinking that the deck has been stacked against them because the bishops who are actually going to be representing them are um, opposed to it. And, of course, Francis, under pressure, 
recently came out to disallow it happening in the Amazon, so it's unlikely to be happening here in Australia. So that's kind of, uh, yeah, one of those stories that has been a story that we've been continually uh, reporting on. It's interesting to see how it has been developing. <coughs> Moving on with our um, news this morning, we do need to talk about our, our our daily corona update. And it's interesting to come back after the weekend where I've been focused on Prophetica up there in Armidale, which was just an amazing experience. And to see how you know the coronavirus has spread in just the two days that I've had off, now, I want to highlight this verse again because this comes from Matthew chapter 24. And we were speaking about this up at Armadale, and a number of us had a few had some interesting conversations in relationship to this passage. In verse 6, the Bible says, Matthew 24 and verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines read droughts and diseases and earthquakes in diverse places or in different places. And so we have just suffered through the worst drought in history here in Australia on record uh, with and, and with large, uh, large portions of Australia still suffering through that same drought. Those that are getting a bit of rain have sort of, uh, you know, they have, um, they're not so feeling like that Australia is in drought anymore, but it actually is the worst drought in history. So we've been hit by that while China has been hit by this coronavirus. And people are saying, ah, oh, you know what, there are other diseases out there that kill a whole lot more people and all the rest, etc., etc., etc. So I thought I'd do a bit of research and find out, okay, what happens when this virus breaks free? And I think we have to now work under the assumption of this being a when, not an if, because in the world that we live in today, we have seen that it is impossible to contain a virus because we just travel so much everywhere, particularly one like this coronavirus, which is so uh, easy to catch. There's a better word for that, but it has escaped me right now. Um, And easy to spread. And so... Yeah, just looking at a few few stats, if you go back to uh, 1918 and the Spanish flu of 1918, which had about the same mortality rate as the coronavirus, and that's pretty terrifying to think about. 2.5% mortality rate is about the same, it's very similar, not that much different from coronavirus, and 50 million people died as a result of the Spanish flu, when it went through. And that was out of a population of just 2 billion people. Now we have a population of, what, 7 billion people. And so if you bring that up to speed today, they are estimating that if or when this virus does actually completely break free in the world and go nuts like the Spanish flu did, that you're looking at somewhere between 200 to 250 million potential casualties, deaths, as a result of this virus, and we can now see it starting to break out. Uh, we saw a few indigenous breakouts, you know, that sort of starts in France and places like that. And now Italy has, what, 132 people infected in Italy um, with the carnival. 
the Venice Carnival being closed down, all sporting events being closed down, and we're starting to see a virus that is having a massive economic impact on the world. So this is no small thing. Uh, Not just having an economic impact on China, but of course that's having an economic impact on everybody. And now, you know, even in countries that are being mildly affected by it, they're just going into quarantine as well, and that's creating all kinds of uh, havoc. The uh, um, efforts to contain the virus have just been dealt probably in the most heart-sickening blow and discouraging blow imaginable where they have now discovered uh, that the virus actually can have a 27-day incubation period. So they have uh, discovered one individual who had a, who the virus incubated over a 27-day period. Uh, that's a bit terrifying. And, of course, the infections in South Korea, where it broke free in a church, have doubled in one day. So this is something that we really need to be taking uh, notice of. Of course, the Bible predicted all of this. This is uh, Blue Highway with Wondrous Love. love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss? To bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on. 
What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord's bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Welcome back, everybody. That was Blue Highway with Wondrous Love, and my goodness, has the quiz been going hot this morning so our quiz prize for today is a pale horse rides by sean boonstra and of course in the book pale horse rides he details the history of a group of barbarians who accepted christianity based on reading the bible alone in the early centuries of christianity and turned their world upside down um, fascinating book. I have uh, read, studied the same history that uh, this book is based on. It is very, very obscure and little-known history, but it is truly amazing. We're going to keep that. That 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 quiz has already been answered, but we're going to go on to another quiz. And we're going to keep that as the prize for today. So we're going to have multiple copies of a pale horse rides as we work through our quiz today, or our next quiz. And of course, the uh, the correct answer for the last one was. Uh, Ahasuerus, if you are reading the KJV, or Xerxes, if you are reading the NLT. So either of those answers we would take as correct. Uh, the other thing I'm super thankful about this morning, of course, is that our interview of the day is Darren Pratt. And one of the things that is awesome about Darren is that he always comes early <laughs> and he knows how to do radio and he can usually stay late. So Darren, we're super glad you're here today to help me with the show. I'm here. Good to be here, Lyle. If I'd known you had no one coming, I'd have got out of bed just that five minutes earlier. But I'm here, so I'll be your wingman today. Praise God. <laughs> we got, we've got uh, we've got Darren with us. All right. So uh, we're going with a uh, a what book am I this time? And um, we have uh, oh, just uh, Jeff Wilson from uh, East Gosford. Congratulations for being the winner. The phone ran hot. I'm told. And coming yeah, yeah, in, yeah, the yeah, phone was. was running red. It was. <laughs> Let's see if it runs red over this one. So the number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That is 1-800-324-843. I was just up in Armadale, Darren. Yes, beautiful spot. What was it, autumn hit yet or not quite? Or? Yeah, I think it's on the edges of it. It certainly felt like that. Um, but we did Prophetica up there. Awesome. So, so I'm wondering whether someone from Armadale can call in on this one. Well, let's see. The Armadale, challenge is, are you listening? This is your clue. This is a challenge <laughs> for all the Armadalers. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, but everybody, see everybody else. See if you can get in ahead of um, someone from Armadale. Anyway, <clears throat> okay. This is a quote from this book. What book am I? Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Interesting. Very topical for today when you think about the leaders around the world. <laughs> That's an interesting one because if I didn't know the answer to this one. I know I would have written down a different answer to the one that's actually it is because there are two places in the Bible where it talks about obeying our leaders and submitting to authority. And I would have gone with the other one. I know that Jesus talks about it. But. He does. He does. <laughs> anyway, uh, what are we doing? We're talking about, uh, we're talking, talking about the coronavirus. Yep. It's pretty hectic. 
Um, I didn't finish talking about it. They've now found a uh, Darren. I just mentioned this before uh, before you came in. They've now found that uh, the coronavirus can have up to a twenty-seven day incubation period. Well, we've been doing fourteen. <laughs> yeah, which means that it's all been a little bit of a uh, wasted exercise up until this particular point, potentially. Well, it's so, interesting. A few things there, like um, that they're. they're they're paying money now for students to get in by a third country. If you arrive here in Australia by a third country, we will pay you $1,500 to cover your 14 days and your um, flight coming in by a third country. So that's a bit dangerous if it's um, 27 days. And this is the other thing that's a little bit scary for you and I who uh, work in churches is that in, in uh, South Korea, it broke free in South Korea, and out of 9,300 people who attended church that day, 1,200 have come down with the virus. Uh, oh. <laughs> That's a big number. Maybe it's time for me to go and buy a mask, Lyle. Yeah, I think I'm sort of thinking, you know, um, <sighs> TV church is pretty good right now. Well, the word they were using the news last night, I was reading, I said, um, yes, there's going to be a worldwide pandemic. They're now using that term. That's right. Now in Korea and Japan, they say it's a matter of time before it breaks free here. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I think it's reached that point of when, not if. Yeah, it's also if you compare it with the Spanish flu, which has about the same mortality rate, two point five percent. The Spanish flu, when our population, this back nineteen eighteen, our population was two billion back then, and it killed fifty million people. So with our population as I it is right not. now, I pray not. But yeah, as our population is now, we're facing you know potentially two hundred million deaths. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, that that is scary if that's the scenario we're looking at. It is. And, you know, this is this is part of what the Bible says. The Bible says that these things will increase in intensity and severity the nearer we get to the return of Jesus Christ. This is another one of the signs of the times. Jesus said it would be like the birth pains. And so, you know, dangerous viruses and diseases have always been in our world. But we have seen a massive upsurge, a, a, a J curve in these kind of things happening in recent times. Well, you look at what's been happening: bushfires in Australia, and then flooding, and which is which is normal in some ways. Well, it's been very severe, but is the yeah. worst on record. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and this is what it says: uh, you know, the nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be droughts and diseases. Well, there you have it. In different places. Drought, diseases, that's us. And we're just, that's, that's, that is 2020 right there. You're reading about 2020 right from the Bible. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. Okay, so I don't know whether you've been following the uh, the U.S. elections or not as the, oh, um, yeah. as the race to the bottom continues, right? That's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling it because, um, I don't know, Bernie Sanders is a standout as of yesterday. Um, he is. He is. For the Democrats, it is. And, uh, you know, I was sort of looking at the thing that I was, I was interested, I was in, very interested to look at Bloomberg because he's like a Democrat, Democratic Trump. Well, that's, I, I think that it was a Bloomberg versus Trump would be and an you've interesting got, you've election got two, race. You've got two multi-billionaire businessmen. Throwing all their money at it. <laughs> throwing all of their money at it, both with a long history of corruption. Yes, and, and morals very questionable. Um, and, of course, Bloomberg. One of the things that I was just you know looking at, um, <clears throat> of course, he was uh, in charge of New York for from 2003 to 2013. And one of the things that he's been attacked for is his mass religious surveillance that he carried out during that particular period, particularly on uh, the Islamic community, mm. where hundreds of mosques 
were surveilled. Whole neighbourhoods were placed under surveillance. Um, Muslim organisations, bookstores, shops. Conversations were tapped. Um, sermons were recorded. Paid informants infiltrated. You know, and 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 in that whole period, of course, found you know a whole lot of nothing. Mm, mm. Um, Interesting. Or next to nothing. So a massive expense to surveil a religious organization, which, you know, you, you, you argue that Trump doesn't know what the Constitution says. I'm sort of thinking, well, though, does Bloomberg know what the Constitution says? I mean, really, this is the country of religious liberty. Uh, you've got a situation the land where of the free and the brave, isn't it? <laughs> people are afraid to go to uh, to a worship service because they're like, "Well, I'm just going to end up on a New York police database," and just sort of stopped attending because of that. You know, I'd say that, of course, um, in contrast to that, if they were going after my church, I'd be like, "Yes, go to church, preach your sermons, preach yes. your heart out. <laughs> Hopefully, those people who are doing surveillance." Uh, will uh, be converted and give their life to Jesus Revelation Christ. Revelation 13 today. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> or uh, Daniel chapter 8, as we will be getting further on, further into as we uh, as we go on. But, yeah, talking about you know the massive rift that it created in the community, particularly between the uh, Muslim community and the police and, a, and, a, and an atmosphere of distrust between the two, which never existed before. Yeah, James Standish said um, overnight, I saw him commenting, he's a well-known um, commentator, and... He said um, the centre of politics is gone in the US. Yes, yes. You've only got the two extremes on, on either extreme, and that's, a li- that's actually not a little bit scary. That's quite scary. Hmm, hmm. And to me, that's one step closer to violence. Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know that it will come in this election, but if it keeps on this trajectory... It's a matter of time until we see moves towards civil war. It's been spoken about for the last three elections. Sooner or later, who knows? It could happen. This is Rebecca.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Rebecca Osborne with Praise the Lord with the Lord with Glad Thanksgiving. Okay, so we are about to have our interview of the day. Darren Pratt is here for the interview of the day, and I'm super excited about what he's going to be talking about. But before we get into it, we have a What Book Am I? And the book that is the prize that is the giveaway is A Pale Horse Rides, an obscure group of barbarians who discover the gospel in the early centuries of Christianity and turn the world, their region of the world upside down with it. A story that has been basically untold. This is by Sean Boonstra. This is the book that is available if you can answer this clue. Okay, so here comes clue number two. What book am I? My author says that Christ <coughs> will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Mm, mm. That's a better clue. I could, I could get it from that one if, uh, if I was guessing. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, coming to Darren, who is here for our interview of the day, he's sitting here with a book on his desk that has meeples on the front of it. Not quite. No, it has meeples on the front. Are they meeples, are they? Those know, are meeples. Do you know these things? I know these things, and the reason I know these things is that meeples are a part of our family's favourite board game. Ah, right. So we have this board game that is depicted on the front of your book, and we have all the expansions that go with it, and so when you play it with all the expansions, it kind of stretches over a couple of days. A couple of days? Wow. Well, it can do. And so what we do is we play it once a year uh, around Christmas times, anywhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas when the family is all there together for a few days. We set it up on the kitchen table and it, and starts, with, it, it starts with one <laughs> in the dining room table. It starts with one little square in the middle and it grows from there until it takes over the whole table. And it's one of those kind of games where... Um, you know, you'll play it for a couple of hours and then you might head to bed and then you play it for over breakfast the next morning and then you head off and do things during the day. And, and, and as you go through the day, if you remember whose turn it is, you can sort of take a turn as you walk past and then you come back again that evening and you might finish it that evening kind of thing. It's just that kind of a game. It's a game you can do that. You don't have to sort of be there all day. <laughs> now, there's a, there's a small version that we often play during the year, which is, you know, maybe a 45-minute version. Uh, but once a year as a family... We get together and play a family game of Carcassonne. Ah, that's what the game is. Uh, which has meeples in it, which is depicted on front of your book. So front. what is this book all about, Dan? Yeah, and I raced in the other day when I picked this book up and showed you, and you were quite excited about this concept. I know that your family is a, a board gaming family, and you're not just your family. You attract anybody that's around to come and, <laughs> come and join us. So your house gets taken over um, by board games. So true. when I got saw this book on our bookshelves... Um, it's by Ellie Dix. Um, she's a educationalist and a teacher, and um, it's called The Board Game Family. Dix aims to help fellow parents by inviting them and their families into the unplugged and irresistible world of board games. The benefits of board gaming are far-reaching. Playing games develops interpersonal skills, boosts confidence, improves memory formation and cognitive ability, and refines problem-solving and decision-making skills. Okay, now what's interesting is that on the front of this book, she also says, reclaim your children from the screen. Yes, well... So this is my big question this morning, is gamers. Research yep. has shown that gamers are the least sexy people on the planet. You mean board words, gamers or video no, gamers? Video gamers, <laughs> video gamers. So uh, for guys out there... Yep. 
Um, the one thing that you can do to repel the young ladies more than anything else is to be a computer gamer, interestingly enough. That's, Interesting. That's, that's, that's well, that's, we could do a whole segment on the... Chicks are just not looking for that. On that and, <laughs> and video games. But our family, we, we're not, we're not uh, computer gamers in our family at all. We never went down that path. We never gave them to our children. We never did them in the home. We never modelled them to our family. We just never made them a part of our family. But board games have always been a part of our family. We've always been seen as being a bit of a gamer family for that reason. You're well known. Uh, in fact, I'm very. One day I'm just going to come and join you because I'm a yes, gamer please. family as well. Um, Absolutely. Bring your family um, and come and join us for a game of Carcassonne. We grew up with a game called Squatter. That Squatter. dates me. Have you heard of the game called Squatter? I have. I've you never, played it? I've never played it. Oh, wow. Well, I need to find my version <laughs> and bring it out because yes. our family played Squatter. Until, like you did, all day and during the holidays we had a squatter ladder. So you win games, you lose games. Whoever's on top of the ladder was, was the hero in, in our, our family's eyes. So we played squatter um, during our holidays. There you go. Okay, so um, give us a call right now if you want to. Tell us what games your family uh, plays or did play. 1-800-324-843. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. We would love to hear from you. But my big question is... Board games good, computer games bad. Why? What difference does it make? Well, um, what they what what Dix is saying in the book here is that video games, yeah, yeah, some strategy games can be good, but often you're playing with headphones on with someone overseas. You're disconnected from your family, often connected with others. Often that is, um, but also. It's repetitive. You're pressing the same buttons. You're doing the same scenarios. Um, there's no what, spontaneity um, in those games, allowing you to to do something that's spontaneous at times. It's all predicted in the screen that this is going to happen. You do this, and it's it's all being programmed. It's an algorithm. Yeah. Whereas um, board games, even though you've got some rules, well, the rules can be can be bent <laughs> okay did you did, did, does your family with some of the games that you have or did have do you have um house rules for some games house rules are very important in house games. rules are the best how we yeah. have house rules for some of our games and it's like okay this is the house rule and this is how it works in our home and uh, and people have come in like oh no but it doesn't work like was well, like no, this is our home our house rules is how it works it's like the you know games being forever um debate about you know can you put a draw two on another draw two on another draw two and pass it around for someone draws six or eight or ten or whatever absolutely <laughs> absolutely you can yeah well our family says you can but <laughs> good, good i think good, the official rules say you can't right. um so things like that the, the 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 rules um level the playing field in some ways so you have some rules to help the younger kids be on an even playing field with those who are older and know more to make it more interesting yes Yes. So, so that's all things that can happen in, in um, these sorts of games. She's also saying that um, naturally you don't um, have to take your children on with removing their devices. They just seem to get lost in the fun of the board game. They don't, they don't appear um, around a good board game. So this is one of the keys to breaking addiction. Yeah, th- is definitely. When you, give, you give up something, but you replace it with something better. Something better and something that's wholesome, something that passes on, on values um, that actually translate over into life. Now, some say, oh, well, board games teach me to be faster and my motor skills are real. So, yes, it does. But um, So I'm not condemning video games completely, <coughs> although many of the games, look at the morals, you look at um, what happens to women in those games, what happens to um, 
um, the morals in the game, and a lot of them leave a lot to be desired. And they're graphic and they're violent. And yes. You do, and you do violent things in a very graphic way. There's a lot of research around um, how that translates into your values and the way you treat people in life. Um, whereas um, board games generally are a game that the whole family can participate in. Although in my family, you couldn't play squatter until you were 10. Okay. So, oh, well, that gave you something to aspire to as you grew up then. So we played Snap and Happy Families and you know and those games as kids but waiting, but we all were waiting for that time when we turned 10. We were officially allowed to join the table with the adults and play Squatter. By that time, we knew all the strategies because we saw it witnessed and we, <laughs> we knew what to do. But, um, yeah, that was our rule. And so there was um, six children. So eventually we had quite a, a big family playing Squatter. That's a really important rule. The thing I like about that rule is it teaches delayed gratification, yeah. which is a key to success. That's right. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest predictors of success of children is they're able to master delayed gratification. And it's like, yep, okay, I've got to wait. And, then, and you have those, you know, those graduations in life. That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a milestone. And, and what she talks about in here um, is, um, this is uh, Ellie Dix, she says that um, the other thing about board games is it teaches you how to deal with failure in a more public setting. So, um, yeah, you, you learn how to lose gracefully, if you like, because the and you also you also lo- learn that losing is a part of life. That's right. There's nothing right. unusual about it. Um, with any board game, there's going to be one winner. That's right. And there's um, a whole bunch of people who learn how to lose. And, and mum and dad well. want to win as much as what the kids do. In fact, probably more <laughs> than the kids do if you get a good game. So I remember my dad. We played um, drafts. Almost every night. Now, Dad was an awesome draft player, and my aim in life was to finally get to the stage where I could beat him on a consistent basis. And towards the end of his life, I don't think he was losing. I think he was still with it. Um, but um, I, I learned how to beat him in drafts. That was a big achievement in life was to beat my dad. And we played a game again and again and again. Most nights um, before I went to bed, we'll play a few games of drafts. And and I loved being able to have that father-son time and that rivalry and to try and beat him. Um, it taught me something about life. Yeah, indeed. It, uh, <clears throat> it, is, it is a great opportunity. The thing that I see here also is that you don't have a situation where the parents have just said, Get off your screens, don't use your screens, and the kids are left with, you know, sort of nothing to do and wandering around bored. Now, of course... Well, know, Ellie Dick says that that doesn't work. It's putting in right. those limits with your, with your family long term doesn't work when it comes to digital screens. You need to put something else in place that the family wants to be at. Well, when the kids come off their screens and they engage with a board game, they are then involving themselves with doing something with their parents. That's right. And in today's society you don't look you don't find a lot of child parent interaction taking place. I mean, you know, recently, well not so recently, it was quite some time ago now they they sent uh, recording devices back with children uh, and found that the average time that a child spent in conversation with their father was 86 seconds a day. Yep, and and that is that is tragic, but also most of that time is spent in um, get your lunch um, get this organised, do this, do that. It's the mundane stuff that needs to happen in life, not the actual sitting down and just discussing life in general with your family. Yeah. Um, and often it's when that happens around a meal 
and especially around the board game, that you discover where your child's at um, spiritually, where they're at emotionally, where they're at what's happening at school, what their problems are. Um, you learn um, where, where they're at, which, which, which kids want their parents to know but won't necessarily tell them unless there's an opportunity for that to happen. Another thing that comes out that you'll find with board gaming families is that they have traditions. Oh, yes. There's a so whole you, chapter in here on <laughs> rituals and traditions. Okay, so let me, let's, let's just illustrate that for a moment. You had the tradition you had to turn 10 before you played squatter. Yep. And then you had, you know, those house rules that become, you know, your traditions and your rituals. In and carry family. over often one game to another, some of those rules. Yeah, yeah. In, in our family, you know, Shell and I, we play a game of cribbage over breakfast every morning. Obviously, we often have breakfast, you know, five days a week we're here. Uh, but every Sunday morning... Shell and I play a game of cribbage over breakfast together, and we've done that for so many years I can't even remember. And 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 we 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 carry a small game with us, a, a travel pack, even when we travel. We have our annual game of Carcassonne, which is you know the big game, and 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 these kind of things. How important are these? Rituals and traditions that, oh, that, 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 I that could do a whole interview just on that, Lyle. Traditions and and rituals. Without rituals, there's no passing on of values, no passing on of faith. And it's those rituals that give the gel that that hold these children together. Not just in the family, but when they launch out to their own life, it's those rituals and traditions that go with them. And the values are embedded in those rituals and traditions. And I tell you what. Values is a big thing that we're debating today, um, right across the board. Um, is how do we pass on values, especially seeing um, what happened in Brisbane at Camp Hill, um, a tragedy there. Um, people are asking what went wrong, and I think um, it starts very, very early in life where these children need to be socialised into what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be part of a family. Let me ask you this question. You come from a board gaming family. Yes. Did your wife come from a board gaming family? She doesn't like board games that much. <laughs> <laughs> but my children do. <laughs> yeah. You were rescued by having children. My, my wife does, just doesn't have the attention span of a... Like, why do a long, drawn-out board game when you, she can go and read a book or do a craft? She's a crafting lady. Comes from the crafting tradition. So, yep. so she has patchwork laid on. And I like have that. to say that crafting is definitely right up there with board games. Um, as a young person growing up, I didn't come from a board gaming family. I came from a crafting family. Yeah. We, yep. would, we would sit around, you know, in the evening together and make, you know, model aeroplanes or something like that. And there's, there's a key, Lyle, is the idea of doing things together, whether yes. it's board games or something else. Yes. Um, a key to your family and to your family's glue is doing something together that um, that you can, that actually um, helps conversation and um, values to be passed on. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, my wife. You know, so so for, from my experience, I come from a crafting background, which I believe is the equivalent. Very much so. Um, and my wife comes from a her family are card players. Yep. And we sort of combined those together and ended up with board games and and card games as well. And uh, it's one of those areas in which, you know, you, you learn to enjoy things yep. well, together. What, what it encourages is that side-on um, side thing. You're doing something together and the conversation naturally will happen around that, the fun and the laughter and um, sometimes the despair. Um, the, the, it's it's a, called the family's meta-narrative, which yes. is a story that's told in your family 
um, around those gamings which stick for life. Yes, yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so there is the uh, one, one of the big keys to having a successful family, break out the crafts, break out the board games, spend time together, shut off the screens, but when you shut the screens off, replace them with something good. You'll go through a few weeks of pain, but it will be worth it once everybody clicks into the new regime. You can establish those rituals and traditions for your family. This is Hilary Scott and the Scott family. We are born one fine day, children of God on our way. Mama smiles and Daddy cries, a miracle before they
You're listening to Faith FM Radio. For more information on any of today's broadcasts, call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. I heard the story of Jesus Sounded like music in my ear Beautiful story of Jesus Dispelled my doubts and all my fears How marvelous is His love Brought to me This world is longing to know Wonderful story of Jesus I'll take it wherever I go Tell of His love For this world To save every man Woman, boy, and girl Oh, it's not just a story 